Welcome to Whatever It Takes Radio, helping you do whatever it takes to succeed in marriage and in life. I'm your host, Paul Speed, and today I'm in the studio with my wife, Jenny. Hello, Jenny. Hey, sweetheart. Well, today we're going to be taking on part five of Resolving Conflict. Can you believe we've done five episodes of this? I thought we would have resolved conflict uh, (laughs) at least by, you know, session four. (laughs) Well, I guess it's a bigger topic than we thought, but um, I... I'm not even going to promise the listeners there won't be a part six, but I think you and I have already consented that this is the last one. Yeah, we so, say that, and uh, then next week we'll have a conflict, and so then we'll yeah. have to talk about it. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you're right, but hopefully not. But um, today what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about identifying um, kind of the roots, going back to what is at the cause of this. And I think our listeners, when you've listened to the previous four, um, we've talked about the belief system. We've talked about some other things to identify that help you resolve conflict. This all started last year when I had that epiphany Um, last uh, year. I discovered that I viewed conflict wrong, that I viewed conflict as bad, not good, um, the lack of love. And because of that, I ran from it. I was afraid of it. I did whatever I could to not have conflict. And I like to excuse it on my personality a little bit. Well, that's, of course, I'm more fun-loving or I'm more easygoing. But the truth is, at the core of my being, I had a really wrong perspective of conflict. And therefore, it affected me. And obviously, it affected us in our marriage, which, for our listeners' sake, Jeannie and I just celebrated our 30th year wedding anniversary last week. So you can clap wherever you're listening. (laughs) We're excited. 30 years. Who would have thought we would have made it 30 years? Either we're getting old or I don't know. That's a long time. I know. I don't like to think that I'm getting old. It seems like it was just yesterday though, right? Yeah, that's right. That's real sweet. (laughs) But uh, I think you and I said on one of the previous um, podcasts, and I find it interesting to think out of everything we've been through, we look back over the 30 years and... We both feel that had we learned to resolve conflict coming into marriage or very early on, we would have been able to probably avoid 75%, maybe? Uh, at least. At least more? 75% of the heartache, the pain, the, pain, the issues, the misunderstandings, issues those type things. Could have been avoided if we had just known how to resolve conflict in I a agree. healthy way. Right. And, you know, because a lot of times we quote, we're resolving it, but it it not in resolved. a healthy way. Right. It was either one of us was bulldozing the other, which would have been mm-hmm. me, or one of us was completely shutting down and running away, which right. would have been you. Yep. And so it wasn't really getting resolved in a healthy way. Right. So we hope our listeners, um, like we have, as we've walked through these last few podcasts, are learning some things about yourself, about how do you handle conflict and maybe some new resolutions that you can begin to walk out and ask God to help you with um, so that you can have a turn in life as we have to make a big change there. Today I'm excited because I want us to talk about um, just how to identify roots, what's really going on that's causing conflict in our lives. Because oftentimes it's easy to look at the other person, it's easy to look at the circumstance, whatever it is, and say, well, this is why, this is why, this is what's upsetting me. But oftentimes as we stop, Scripture cautions us, I guess you might say, when it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And the writer, Paul, was encouraging them to think, you know what, your enemy may not be what you think it is. Oftentimes we think it's people. 
Um, you can look at the life of Jesus and the religious people, the Pharisees, Sadducees, those were his enemy. But Paul clearly says, even for Jesus, that was not his enemy. Right. Satan, the principalities and powers, demonic, there was a force behind those people. And I think it helps us to stop in a conflict or the beginning of a conflict and identify what's driving me here. One of the first things, Jenny, I want us to talk about, and I know this has been really real in your life, especially over the last couple of years, is the area of identifying fear. Because this was huge, and I know you teach it at your Four Days to Hope, and I know it's been, I just want to share a quick story. There was a time, because I'll share it with some of the men at Four Days to Freedom, and as far as engaging their wives, understanding where a man's issue may be lust, um, there may be other things going on in him, but oftentimes women, one of their big issues is fear. And I remember a time you were um, in the bathroom. I'd gotten up that morning, and I, I walking by you, I could tell something was wrong. It's like this force field around you, like, do not touch me. And I thought, wow, what did I do? She woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And normally, this was way before understanding conflict, my mode of operation was to get dressed as quick as possible and get out the door, head to work. And let her spend eight hours with the kids and see if that doesn't change her mind. Or <clears throat> let, if there's an anger issue or whatever, let her take it out on the kids, unfortunately. But hopefully by the time I got home, it was resolved. But do you remember that morning I came out? I had just gotten dressed in the closet. And God just prompted me to stop you. And I grabbed you by your shoulders. I spun you around. And I looked at you. And I said, what are you afraid of? And I was amazed when I said those words. I could feel the tension in your shoulders, your body language, everything just sunk. You just relaxed, and suddenly you just began to say this and this, and I was afraid of this. And you just laid out this whole litany of where the enemy was tormenting you with fearful thoughts that was causing you to get anxious, upset, fearful. And by me asking the right question, instead of looking at you and saying, what's wrong with you this morning? Are you in a bad mood? <laughs> or whatever it would have become about what you were afraid of. But instead, asking the simple question, what are you afraid of, allowed you to stop in your mind and switch on to say, wait, what is the fear going on here? And identify it. So you can talk about that, but I really want you to talk about the last two years and kind of what's going on right now in this area with fear. Well, I think that you know, this whole concept that uh, resolving conflict by looking below the surface, you know, and, and trying to decide, you know, what is really going on in this underneath the surface? You know, maybe your spouse or your child or a relative or a friend or a boss at work is grumpy and grouchy and hard to deal with all the time. And that's what you're seeing on the surface, but what's really going on underneath it? And I know that, uh, Paul, just this last week, the last couple of days, I've been, um, I've just been grouchy and I haven't been easy to deal with. I've been more quiet and, and pulled away a little bit. And, you know, the truth is that I've been struggling with fear. And I'll start crying. I don't want to cry. <laughs> but, you know, I've been battling breast cancer for the last couple of years. And... I went to Tijuana this past weekend for my two-year checkup, and I was totally 100% convinced that they were going to tell me, you know, hey, everything's good, your PET scan's clear, and you're good to go, and you don't have to come back anymore, and you're cancer-free. 
And all my friends were thinking the same thing, you know, and you and I both were thinking that. And so anyway. Well, you look so healthy. You seem I, so healthy. I do. I feel healthy. But then going down there to Tijuana for the last eight days and having them come back with a PET scan and say that that wasn't the case, that there was a suspicious spot on my spinal cord and that because of that um, and because the diagnosis is a very aggressive breast cancer called triple negative, uh, they want me to go back on another round of low-dose chemo. And it, it's very low-dose, so, you know, it's not the vomiting and all the stuff that normally goes on. But still, there's so much fear that goes into that whole, you know, thought process of it's chemotherapy. And it makes you have to face the fact that you are indeed battling breast cancer. And it just wasn't something I wanted to hear. But the way that it affects me is that, you know, I was really wrestling through this, and and before I knew it, you know, I was getting short with you. Uh, I know yesterday as we were traveling home, I was very quiet, and I just, I was just, I was grouchy, <laughs> and so I know I apologized to you several times, and, but finally, I just needed you to sit down with me and just talk through with me. One of the things that that was hard is I think that uh, a lot of people in my family don't want to talk about it because it's scary. Mm -hmm. And so when I needed to talk about it, it's just like, oh, you're not going to, you're not going to die. Everything's going to be fine. You know, this is just a minor bump in the road. Just move on. And I understand that, but I did need to just talk about it. And so I think that even with you and I, we didn't really talk about it. And so this morning I ended up talking to Lori Beckin on the phone, our office assistant, and it just really helped me to be able to process with her the fact that I am afraid. And, you know, it's something that I, I'm battling. And just being able to process through that with her helped me to then be able to in turn talk to you and say, Paul, I'm sorry that I've been so grouchy and complainy and just difficult to deal with in the last 48 hours. But here's really what's going on is I'm fearful. And so once I told you that this, you know, morning you were able to sit down with me and um and address the fear and pray with me. And that made all the difference in the world. And so I just think that so many times we do, we don't look below the surface. We see somebody's actions and we immediately judge their actions. And I understand that, you know, I was wrong. I was just extremely irritable and snappy. But stopping and asking me what's really going on, what are you really feeling right now, what are you really experiencing, was really what I needed. You know? And so I think that fear is often a very big motivator. And, you know, not only the fear with the cancer, but Paul, I look back over our marriage and one of the biggest areas that you and I struggled in with conflict, and I think almost all of our listeners are, will be able to identify with this, is raising children. That was a huge area of conflict for you and I because we both had differences in the way that we, you know, wanted to parent. And, and then not only that, it was just the fact that I was very fearful as a parent and so because of my fear of things that you know the kids could get into or the things that they wouldn't do or they should do or whatever then I would 
get out of control at times with my parenting. And then that would cause you to get frustrated with me. And had you been able to stop me and say, Jenny, what are you really afraid of? It would have really changed the direction that we parented in. There would have been, I think it would have made such a huge difference. Yeah, I think so much of that parenting or lack of on my side, again, my own fear of conflict, even I think fed, fed into that aspect of not necessarily engaging, especially as the kids got older, not when they were younger, but when they teenage years and young adult, just like I would do with you or anybody else in my life, I saw conflict as bad. So if there was, if they were doing something wrong or whatever, I always felt there was another way to go about, always another way to go about without just direct conflict, or in other words, or just calling something out. And I look back now and I can see part of my motivation for that where I used to make excuses, it's my personality, I'm more easygoing, maybe we should parent with more grace. I mean, you can call it whatever you want, but still at the root of my belief system is I saw conflict as bad or negative. And therefore, I was afraid of conflict, whether it was with a kid, whether it was with you, whether it was with a boss, it didn't matter. So I think it affected me even in child raising. And therefore, like you said, it caused conflict, conflict. with you and I. Yeah, between you and I. So we had the conflict with the kids. Sure. But then the conflict with the kids was now causing conflict with us. Yeah. Because we couldn't get on the same page. Right. And I know m most of our years as parents, uh, one of the things that I would say to you is that I am always the bad guy with the kids. I'm always the bad guy. I'm the one who has to set the rules. I'm the one who has to say no. And it was very, very frustrating in our marriage. And it did cause so much conflict in our marriage. But it went back to this fear that you had of conflict with the children. And so you would leave it up to me to make those decisions. Right. Well, I think fear is a big one. And I know fear, boy, in a lot of cases when we lived in North Carolina and we were losing our real estate company. And then I was totally motivated out of fear as far as need to sell everything, try to get out of this while we can. Let's move on. Let's do and of course that led to conflict and there was no way to resolve conflict between you and I. Everything I was doing was based out of fear. So again, I just think, you know, fear has enough problems of its own, but I think it's helpful in a conflict or when you feel there's a conflict arising to stop and look. And that's what we're trying to express is stop and say, is fear motivating this conflict? Where is fear in this conflict? Is this at the root of what I'm feeling? And therefore, I'm reacting. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, you know, uh, we get this with parents all the time where uh, a child wants to go, you know, let's say they're college age and, and they're wanting to go away to school. But then there's the other parent who's because of fear is saying, no, I want them to stay home. I don't want them to go away. I don't want to. And that may be the right decision. It may be. But if it's a motivated out of a spirit of fear, they're not able to really know what's right. Mm. And so then now that brings conflict with the other spouse because the other spouse thinks that it's, it's a great idea and this would be good for the child. So now you got two people um, having conflict because one is rooted out of fear and maybe the other one, they, they just want they, they have the the opposite kind of fear of, I don't want to say no to the child. Right. And so both of them have fear. Right. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like you and I both in parenting were dealing with fear. Right. I feared 
if we didn't set up these boundaries, if we didn't say no, if we didn't, you know, control our children in these areas, then something bad was going to happen to them. Okay, so that was my parenting with fear. And but then you were on the other side of the spectrum and you were parenting from the fear of I don't want to have this conflict with them. If we set up these boundaries and we set up these rules and we say no, now we're going to have this other conflict. And so we just really really struggled in this area of parenting. Hmm. Yeah, and not only parenting, but unfortunately Every area of our life, as we have seen, that it really has affected us. So I'm grateful to the Lord that it's been a, a new understanding there so that we can make good changes in that. So I think identifying the roots in a conflict and being able to stop and say, what's really going on here? Fear, obviously, I think it's one of the biggest ones. And I think we can get into pride and belief. You can, there's probably lots of reasons why, but there's a couple more that uh, you and I talked about that we want to point out. And one of them is this area of stress, kind of being tired. It's like you were saying, you you got that diagnosis and that began to worry you, that began to kind of consume your thoughts, um, depress maybe, make you feel depressed and so forth. Stress is what's part of that. Um, and therefore we get tired and we get agitated real easy. I think everybody can identify with that. But how does that, what does that look like as far as identifying that as something that's causing a conflict well, I just think that as a, a spouse, then it's very important for us to be willing to stop and go to the Lord and say, God, what's really underneath the surface with my spouse? What's really going on here? And to give grace where there's tiredness, where there's stress, you know, to, to back off and give grace there. And uh, just like that issue with the fear, being able to back off and say, you know, what is my spouse afraid of? What What's going on that, that could be stirring underneath the surface here that's causing them to be agitated or frustrated or gripey or whatever? And, um, and so that stress thing is important. I know that recently uh, there was something that I knew that I needed to talk to you about. I can't even remember right now what it was, but it was something, and it was important. I wanted to talk to you about it, but I recognized, and this is unusual for me, okay, so I don't get any pats on the back, but I recognized you were coming home from a conference, you were tired, and to just hit you with it when you walked in the door was not going to be appropriate. It wasn't loving to you. It wasn't kind to you. And so I held my tongue. I didn't say anything. It was hard for me, but I didn't say anything. And I said, God, will you please give me a, an opportunity to speak to Paul about this when he's not under stress or he's not tired? And so I waited. It took about 24, 48 hours. And, you know, honestly, I want to say to my listeners, don't give me any, any kudos on this because really and truly I don't do so well in this area. <laughs> but I just happened to do How did well. How it work out, though? <laughs> It, it worked work out right? good. It, it worked out that because I waited until you were refreshed, you weren't tired, uh, you engaged in the conversation, and we didn't have a big meltdown mm. or anything. You actually engaged with me and with no conflict, really. Well, I think that's important. I mean, you, what you just articulated was not necessarily looking at your own stress or tiredness and saying, do I really need to be in this conflict? Is this motivating me in a wrong way? But you noticed that in me, and I... I'll give you applause for that because thank you. <laughs> in the past, this was an area of conflict, wasn't it? I would come home from a men's four days to freedom. It would be tired, especially if I had to travel. Sometimes even when I lived in Tampa, I just drove across town to do one. But three nights and four days of teaching, talking, very little sleep, everything else. And then I would come home and you were like, hey, I've been 
told someone, so we'll go out to dinner with them tonight and then we're going to do so. And you could see me out. I was just like, you've got to be kidding. And then you were frustrated because you've been home alone all weekend. And you're like, hey, I've got you back. Can't we do these things? And we would have little conflicts because I would be tired or unmotivated and you would get frustrated with me. And I would be frustrated with you that, why are you planning all of this? I know, but actually, this is a real good example for the listeners, because actually, you wouldn't tell me. And so I didn't know. You would come home, and because you were, you were, okay, very important word there, you were a conflict avoider, you wouldn't tell me that you didn't want to go. And so you would come home, and I'd say, hey, uh, can we go do this tonight? And you would just go along with it, and you would go with me. But then when we would get there, you would be grumpy, and you wouldn't engage the other couple, and you would be, and then I then I would be frustrated with you because I'm like, why didn't you just tell me? Okay, so both of us were really wrong in that, in that I wasn't being sensitive to your need. I wasn't realizing that, hey, when he's worked a long weekend like that, the last thing he wants to do is go spend time with other people. I wasn't being a sensitive spouse and stepping outside of my needs and looking at yours. And then at the same time, though, you, because of your avoidance of conflict, you weren't being honest with me and just saying, Jenny, I love you and I love spending time with you and with our friends, but I really am emotionally exhausted. And so both of us you know, we're, we're wrong in that because we weren't communicating correctly. And really what it took was when I started doing four days to hope <laughs> and your eyes were oh, open, my <laughs> eyes were opened. I remember one time coming back, I'd flown out of town to do four days to hope. You'll remember this. And I came back, I'd been gone for quite a while that time. I had to go d- several days early. And so when I flew back into Orlando, you planned a special night out and you had you know the kids were all scheduled you know to go do activities and you were going to take me to a fancy dinner and and I thought I was going to die deep down inside I was sitting there at that restaurant looking at you going I just want to go to bed (laughs) and and I was like but it was good for me because I realized what I had done to you for all those years yeah I should have planned a party yeah right yeah right but how much better though had we been able to talk through right, that. Right, to be able to communicate oh, and understand. Wow. Yeah, if we could have communicated a long time before that, then I wouldn't have had to go through it myself to figure it out. Right. Which, you know, so I'm so grateful, though, that we're learning these things. And another area of conflict that we've seen is, you know, just with not only just the stress and tiredness, being willing to look outside ourselves at our other spouse and say, is this a good time? Is this mm-hmm. a good time to bring this up? You know, uh, dealing with fear, asking ourselves, is fear really what's underneath this, uh, underneath the surface? And can I address fear, help my spouse address fear? Um, the other thing is, you know, and Paul, I hate to even bring it up because this one really nails me most of the time. And that's just selfishness. You know, sometimes I'm just being selfish. And, you know, I just need to repent. I need to realize that the conflict is because of my selfishness. I'm not choosing to esteem you as higher than myself or another person as higher than myself. You know, whether it's a teammate, you know, on our whatever it takes ministry team. And I just need to die to my desires and esteem them as higher than myself. 
Yeah, but it's so easy to look at the other person when we're hurt, we're motivated out of our, say, our own longings, our own desires, our love languages, so to speak, and see it. So it's easy for us to look at the other person and say, they're being so selfish. Jenny's being so selfish. If she really thought about me, or you would say, Paul's being so selfish, if he really, whatever. So this is important, but I would encourage our listeners, just as we're talking about it, this is really self-awareness reflection time. Not necessarily a time to identify in the other person while they're just being selfish. That's fine if you can come to that conclusion when God's finished with it. But I think it's so important that we really look and say, well, where am I? Am I being selfish in this matter that's causing this conflict and um, allowing it to continue? Wow, that's really good. I like that word that you just used. As a matter of fact, I think this needs to be an upcoming podcast. <laughs> but not on resolving conflict, right? No, not okay. on resolving we can conflict. Steal that but you use that word self aware. And I think that Paul really and truly, if we applied that word self aware, learning self awareness, it would stop all this conflict. You know, if we could stop when a conflict began to arise, if we could say, Am I fearful? Am I fearful? Is fear causing me to respond or react to my spouse or my children or my employer or whoever in a wrong way? You know, or if we could stop and once again be self-aware and say, hey, am I just tired? Am I stressed? Have I allowed too many things to get put on my plate for this week? And so now I'm barking out orders or I'm demanding and just frustrating everybody around me. Or being, again, self-aware, stopping and looking and saying, am I just being selfish here? I'm just being selfish because I want a, quote, need. I have this need that I want met, but in a selfish way. And so I I do. I think that what you said a moment ago was so good. If we would learn to be self-aware. And, you know, I I think that would solve a lot. Well, I think you're totally right, Jenny. And I think that really doesn't compass most of everything we've talked about today if we can just become self-aware and check ourselves in the conflict before the conflict after wherever the situation it would resolve so many things as well as giving us a greater understanding and i think that if we would do this and we would become self-aware check ourselves first am i fearful is that what's motivating motivating this conflict am i tired stressed hungry you know all those uh, things that cause us to be uh, frustrated or am i just being selfish check ourselves and then we can turn to our spouse and say to our spouse if we've not checked any of those boxes in ourselves then we can turn and say honey are you fearful? Is there something going on that's causing fear in your life? Or, honey, are you really stressed? Is there a lot going on at work or wherever that I don't really know about that I can help you with? You know, are you tired? Do you just need to go to bed early tonight? How can I bless you? How can I minister to you? Um, It's probably not a good idea to look at your spouse and say, honey, are you being selfish? (laughs) Are you just being self-centered and selfish? Right. That's probably not a good way to do it. But So we'll leave that one off the checklist if it's your spouse that you're talking about. Just use the selfish one for yourself, okay? Yeah. Um, Well, that's why I think the self-aware is the key. And, you know, we're admonished in Scripture to walk in love. And I think that is walking in love when you get your eyes off the other person, the people around you, they, them, they, 
those people, this situation is your problem, and looking deeper, saying, God, what's really motivating me, which is what we're encouraging through this one, identifying the root, what's really at the root of this conflict that's motivating me to feel anxious, to feel frustrated, to be hurt, whatever, which is probably what's going on with the conflict anyway, and it's not letting someone else off without correction. It's none of that. It's getting yourself right first. And I think that um, is a really powerful point uh, for you to bring out. Well, that's great. Well, let's wrap this one up. If For our listeners, if you've got further questions or want to know more about Whatever it Takes Ministries or how we can help you, contact us through our website. We'd love to get feedback, um, especially on these podcasts, what's going on in your lives, how you're able to apply some of the things you've heard. We would love to hear your comments or call us at 336-310-5050. And just want to remind our listeners about the next big upcoming couples intensive. It will be April 19th through 22nd, Asheville, North Carolina. We still have a few openings left in that. So if you're anticipating attending or you know someone that could benefit from that, please pass that information along for our next couples intensives. Intensive, And of course, we've got Four Days to Freedom and Four Days to Hope which are done on a monthly basis. You can look those up also on the website. So until next time, remember, your life can be different if you're willing to do whatever it takes.